Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. Um, let's start again. Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 1 to 17. Judgment, mercy, tears. That's the title for tonight. Those are the three points we will encounter in the text. As you open, perhaps a brief introduction of Jeremiah. For reference on the biblical timeline, the character of Jeremiah is about 400 years after King David and 600 years before Christ. After David came Solomon. After Solomon, the kingdom was divided in two between north and south. And there's a lot of politics that go, that go on. I won't go into the details. But the gist of it is this. Since Solomon, the nation has, for the most part, been in spiritual decline, spiraling into various forms of idol worship, child sacrifice, and to put it bluntly, sin. There are moments, brief seasons of reform where they looked to God and they had godly kings. But for the most part, this time is defined by the people turning their backs on God. All of this came to a head in an event called the exile. The exile, this demise, this judgment from God, as we will see in the text in a short while, this is what Jeremiah was tasked with warning the people of. If you do not repent... God will judge you. For 40 years, 40 years, Jeremiah declared this coming judgment. It was a thankless task. Many hated him for it. And if you take the time to read this book and its sequel of sorts, Lamentations, you will see just how tortured a life Jeremiah lived. They are two of the most depressing books in the Bible. We find him here in this passage this evening warning the people of the coming judgment of God. It reads as follows, Jeremiah 13 from verse 1. Thus says the Lord to me, go and buy a linen loincloth and put it around your waist and do not dip it in water. So I bought a loincloth according to the word of the Lord and put it around my waist And the word of the Lord came to me a second time. Take the loincloth that you have bought, which is around your waist, and arise. Go to the Euphrates and hide it there in the cleft of the rock. So I went and hid it by the Euphrates, as the Lord commanded me. And after many days, the Lord said to me, Arise, go to the Euphrates, and take from there the loincloth that I commanded you to hide there. Then I went to the Euphrates and dug. And I took the loincloth from the place where I I had hidden it. And behold, the loincloth was spoiled. It was good for nothing. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Thus says the Lord, even so I will spoil the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. 
This evil people who refuse to hear my words, who stubbornly follow their own heart and have, gone, and have gone after other gods to serve them and worship them, shall be like this loincloth, which is good for nothing. For as the loincloth clings to the waist of a man, so I made the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah cling to me, declares the Lord that they might be for me a people, a name, a praise, and a glory, but they would not listen. Verse 12, you shall speak to them this word, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, every jar shall be filled with wine, and they will say to you, do we not indeed know that every jar will be filled with wine? Then you shall say to them, thus says the Lord, behold, I will fill with drunkenness all the inhabitants of this land. The king who sits on David's throne, the priests, the prophets, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And I will dash them one against another, fathers and sons together, declares the Lord. I will not pity or spare or have compassion that I should not destroy them. Hear and give ear. Be not proud, for the Lord has spoken. Give glory to the Lord your God before he brings darkness, before your feet stumble on the twilight mountains. And while you look for light, he turns it into gloom and makes it deep darkness. But if you will not listen, my soul will weep in secret for your pride. My eyes will weep bitterly and run down with tears because the Lord's flock has been taken captive. Thus far the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, this is your word. I pray, hinder my thoughts, hinder my opinions, but may your truth prevail this evening, Lord. To the believer, may it be an encouragement. To the unbeliever, may it bring conviction, Lord. I pray, save a soul if it be your will. In your name I pray, amen. First point, judgment. We'll be starting from verse 1. We are given an image, the ruined loincloth. We begin with this peculiar peculiar analogy. It is a practical analogy that Jeremiah acts out by God's command. From verse 1, go and buy a linen loincloth and do not dip it in water. Now, commentators are unsure of what this linen loincloth actually is. Some say it is a belt. Some say it is some sort of sash. Some say it was the ancient equivalent of underwear, the innermost garment. It does not really matter which it is. What is important is what the item of clothing signifies. You'll find in verse 11, for as the loincloth clings to the waist of a man, So I made the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah cling to me. It signifies intimacy, the close relationship between God and his people. Back to verse 1, go and buy a linen loincloth and do not dip it in water. In other words, don't wash it. Let it become dirty and smelly. And the word of the Lord came a second time. Verse 4, take the loincloth that you have bought which is around your waist, and arise. Go to the Euphrates and hide it there in the cleft of the rock. 
Take the smelly underwear that you bought and go and hide it amongst the rocks at the Euphrates River. And after many days, the Lord said to me, Arise, go to the Euphrates and take from there the loincloth that I commanded you to hide there. Then I went to the Euphrates and dug and I took the loincloth from the place where I had hidden it. And behold, the loincloth was spoiled. It was good for nothing. Verse 8, then the word of the Lord came to me. Thus says the Lord, even so I will spoil the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. So the picture unfolds. I will spoil. This I, it is God. This is an image of God's judgment. Why? Let's look at verse 10. This evil people who refuse to hear my words, who stubbornly follow their own heart, and have gone after other gods to serve them and worship them, they shall be like this loincloth, which is good for nothing. God's people have stopped listening to God. They refuse to listen. They stubbornly follow their own hearts, and they worship other gods. That which was once intimate and close is now rotten and spoiled. Verse 11, I made them for me. Thus saith the Lord, I made them for my glory, that they might be for me a people, a name, a praise, and a glory. But they would not listen. They were my people. I was their God. I was being known from age to age as the God of Israel. That which he pursued, that which he had made a covenant with, that which he proudly adorned upon himself, his treasured chosen people who were meant to bring glory to his name, that which he loved, he now brings his judgment down upon them. And the image is telling. He makes them like spoiled, rotten underwear. 1.2, we move on, saying... The jars filled with wine. From verse 12, you shall speak to them this word. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, every jar shall be filled with wine. And they will say to you, do we not indeed know that every jar will be filled with wine? Every jar will be filled with wine. And in their response, in their, in their pride, they tell Jeremiah, we know do we not know that the seasons change and the vineyards produce grapes and from the grapes wine is made? And every jar is filled with wine and we enjoy the wine. So comfortable, so smug, so content in their evil that they think no matter what, no matter what they do, the world just keeps on going. Forgetting that they serve God, God does not serve them. No, it was not the wine of God's favor that would fill their jars that season. It was the wine of God's wrath. Verse 13, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will fill with drunkenness all the inhabitants of this land, the king who sits on David's throne, the priests, the prophets, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And I will dash them one against another, fathers and sons together, declares the Lord. I will not pity or spare or have compassion that I should not destroy them. From the king, to the priests, to the prophets, to all the inhabitants of the land, 
none shall be spared. 1.3, spoiler that God is faithful. Again and again throughout this chapter, you will find these words. Thus says the Lord, verse 1, thus says the Lord to me. Verse 3, and the word of the Lord came to me a second time. Verse 6, and after many days the Lord said to me, Verse 8, then the, Lord, then the word of the Lord came to me, thus says the Lord. Verse 12, you shall speak to them this word, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. Verse 15, now in the past tense, hear and give ear, be not proud. For the Lord has spoken, give glory to the Lord your God before he brings darkness. Before your feet stumble on the twilight mountains. And while you look for light, he turns it into gloom and makes it deep darkness. Spoiler alert. They did not listen. They did not repent. They did not give glory to God. Again, spoiler alert. God keeps his promises. The Lord has spoken, so the Lord shall do as he has spoken. He is a God of his word. And so he brought about the darkness. The feet of his people stumbled on the twilight mountains. And even while they looked for light, he turned it into gloom and made it a deep darkness. This, our passage for today, Jeremiah wrote it prophetically, a warning. If you do not repent, judgment will come upon you in the future. Irene now an excerpt from Lamentations, a latter book of Jeremiah's. This isn't a warning anymore. This is after the fact. Lamentations 2, verse 17 to 22. The Lord has done what he purposed. He has carried out his word, which he commanded long ago. He has thrown down without pity He has made the enemy rejoice over you and exalted the might of your foes. Their heart cried to the Lord, O wall of the daughter of Zion, let tears stream down like a torrent day and night. Give yourself no rest, your eyes no respite. Arise, cry out in the night, at the beginning of the night watches. Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift your hands to him for the lives of your children who faint for hunger at the head of of every street. Look, O Lord, and see with whom have you dealt thus. Should women eat the fruit of their womb, the children of their tender care? Should priest and prophet be killed in the sanctuary of the Lord? In the dust of the streets lie the young and the old. My young women and my young men have fallen by the sword. You have killed them in the day of your anger, slaughtering without pity. You summoned as if to a festival, you summoned as if to a festival day, my terrors on every side. And on the day of the anger of the Lord, no one escaped or survived. Those whom I hurled and raised, my enemy destroyed. Friends, church, God is faithful. And that is not a cliche. 
Neither is that the good luck charm we tend to use it as in our modern day Christianese. God keeps his promises. And don't get me wrong, there are many wonderful promises in, in the Bible concerning his people, the Israelites, but also concerning us as Christians. But God is faithful. Even the promises we don't like, he keeps them. It is no joke to be on the receiving end of the wrath of God. His judgment is terrible. It is destructive. It leaves no stone left unturned. No one can escape it. Those who are held and raised, children who I saw grow up, they are killed by the hand of the enemy. Children are dying of hunger. Mothers in their desperation, they turn to cannibalism. Bodies, young and old, they pile up in the streets. Priests and prophets die in God's own temple, a place that they thought would be impenetrable. He says it is like God made it's like God made a festival of all their worst nightmares. On the day of the anger of the Lord, none is spared because they rebelled against the Lord, because they worshipped other gods, because they thought the temple was bigger than the God of the temple. Because even when Jeremiah came and warned and begged them to repent and give glory to God, they continued in their ways. Was God not gracious to them? Does the punishment fit the crime? Is this not just? And I ask that intentionally because I know that in today's modern world of constitutions and human rights and the United Nations, some of us look at this and we're more concerned about human life than about the justice of God. And I know that even we as Christians, sometimes we struggle with this because we think God is spelled L-O-V-E. And only L-O-V-E. And, any, and if anything comes along that contradicts our understanding of love, it cannot be God. And we forget that God is also spelled H-O-L-Y. And J-U-S-T. And woe unto them who provoke the living God to anger. And even as we resist God's justice, even as we struggle to comprehend it, remember the analogy. Remember the spoiled loincloth. This evil people who refuse to hear my words, who stubbornly follow, follow their own hearts and have gone after other gods to serve them and worship them, they shall be like this loincloth, which is good for nothing. Some analogies are lost in time. Some are limited by culture and language. This is not one of them. It is amazing that something written about 2,600 years ago in the ancient world, far removed from us geogra both geographically and culturally, it can still be so relevant to us today. To put it bluntly, all of us throw away our old spoiled underwear. And every time you throw away your spoiled underwear, remember that is a sign of God's faithfulness and justice. This is just. We might not like it, 
but the punishment fits the crime. But there is also mercy coming to my second point. There is a visible hand of mercy that is offered in this passage. From verse 15, Hear and give ear, be not proud, for the Lord has spoken. Give glory to the Lord your God before he brings darkness, before your feet stumble on the twilight mountains. And while you look for light, he turns it into gloom and makes it deep, deep darkness. But if you will not listen, but if you will not listen, do you see it? Do you see even at this late stage that people are given a chance? Jeremiah pleads with them, please, listen. Put your pride to the side. God has spoken. If he has spoken, so it shall be. Do not take lightly the word of God. He is faithful. Please give glory to God. He is the only living God. If you do put your pride to the side, if you turn back to God, if you give glory to him, maybe, maybe you will stand a chance. Even at this late stage, even with the just wrath of God at their doorstep, Jeremiah is convinced that if they turn, if they return to the Lord their God, they will find mercy. They will find the love and graciousness of God. He is convinced. They are not owed this. They do not deserve it. For hundreds of years, they have toyed with the affections of God. For hundreds of years, they have entertained and indulged their sin. No, none can say that they earned this hand of mercy that God offers. As we have already seen in Lamentations, to their own detriment, the people did not repent. And in that, believe it or not, we find a second mercy. It is found, admittedly, not in this chapter, but in the larger narrative of the exile. If it were any other nation, God would have wiped them from the face of the earth. He's done it before. He wiped out Sodom and Gomorrah. And God would have been just in doing so. But this is where our favorite verse comes into play. For I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. That verse is as much about judgment as it is about mercy. God wasn't saying life will always be wonderful. God was saying, I am going to judge you. I will judge you terribly because your sin against me was equally terrible. But I know the plans I have for you. I'll not wipe you out. Even in his anger, God's mercy still shines through. Judgment, mercy, my next point, tears. Now there's four words that I confess I love to say. And there are a few things in life that bring me the joy and satisfaction that these four words bring. I told you so. Don't you just love being right? What does Jeremiah say? Verse 17, but if you will not listen, I'll rejoice because I warned you. 
Aha, I warned you, God would judge you. And look, he judged you. You got what you deserved. You persecuted me, you tortured me, you tried to kill me. Finally, I'm free from you. No. But if you will not listen, my soul will weep in secret for your pride. My eyes will weep bitterly and run down with tears because the Lord's flock has been taken captive. Such was Jeremiah's faith. Such were his eyes open to the hand of God coming down upon his people. Such was it that he could find no joy in this prospect. Forty years he toiled among them. For 40 years he declared God's truth. For 40 years he warned them and begged them and wept over them. In 40 years, you know how many people listened to Jeremiah? Two. Only two are recorded in Scripture. Barak, who would become his scribe, and Abedmelech, an official in the palace who rescued Jeremiah from a well. Two in 40 years. The rest, they persecuted him. They tried to kill him. They hated him. They made his life a misery. They would not repent. I weep for you. It brings new meaning to loving your enemies. 600 years later, we find a mirror image. Luke 19, verse 41 to 44. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, What would you, even you, had known? Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground you and your children with you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Just as Jeremiah wept, so too Jesus wept. Not only was Jeremiah a man of faith who trusted God for his word, he was also Christ-like. Such was his love for his people. How do we conclude this? Judgment, mercy, tears. How do we apply these things? Friends, just as Jeremiah stood firm as a warning and a witness to the people of his day as they were perishing, so too the word of the Lord stands firm as a witness to us today in a world that is perishing. Except it is not the rise and fall of the nation that hangs in the balance. It is our very souls. If you are an unbeliever, if you have not put your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, if you do not hold to the word of God, then you are on the pathway of destruction. Your end is not a temporary exile from your homeland. It is not slavery. It is not hardship. It is not poverty. It is not even death your end will be an eternal exile from the presence of God. Hear and give ear. Be not proud, for the Lord has spoken. 
Give glory to the Lord your God, your creator. He who is sovereign, he who is worthy of praise, he who holds all things in the palm of his hand, he who gave his only son for the forgiveness of your sins. Give glory to the Lord your God. If you do not, because of his faithfulness, he will bring about the day of judgment. He will gather all people and he will separate the sheep from the goats. Unbeliever, hear me now. You do not want to be counted amongst the goats. To us who believe, and really I preach this to myself, as I was going through this, I found myself asking the question, do I really believe that God is faithful? The wages of sin is death. Do we even know what that means? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Those are the words of Jesus. Do we understand the implication of those words? And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Believer, if the person sitting next to you tonight does not believe in Jesus Christ, they are on the pathway to destruction. Your family, your friend, your neighbor, oh, how casual we are. Carry on in your sin to each their own. We are more scared of forcing our views upon people, on the people we love, than we are of seeing them burn in hell for all eternity because we lack faith. Oh, you're a Buddhist? That's nice. Whatever makes you happy. Are you a Hindu, Muslim? Whatever makes you happy. Have we so quickly forgotten that which we have been saved from? We were once on the pathway to destruction. And rightfully so, we deserved it. Had we perished and gone to hell, it would have been just. But God, who is rich in mercy, offered his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. If we had half the faith Jeremiah had, we would not stand idly by and watch people walk that pathway of destruction. If we had half the faith Jeremiah had, our prayers would fill all the more with tears begging God for his intervention. If we had half the faith that Jeremiah had, our friends would hear a lot more of the gospel. It is to our shame, our shame as Christians, that there are those in our lives who will perish without hearing the gospel from our lips and we claim to be Christians. It is one thing for an unbeliever to take lightly the things of God, but us, we should be ashamed. Oh, that we would be moved to tears like Jeremiah. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. Thank you that you are the same today as you were yesterday and as you will be forever. 
You are just, you are faithful. May we fear you, Lord. May our faith in in you keeping your promises, may it drive us to tears as we see the people around us choosing this path of destruction. Even as Jeremiah declared to the people of his day, even as he warned them, even as he stood by your truth, may it be of us even today. May we stand firmly on the word of God. May we declare it shamelessly. May we declare it to all. May none in our lives perish because we failed to share the gospel. Pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.